to the Nerdbook Review, where we strive to broaden your fantasy horizons. Today, Chris and I will be bringing you The Sword of Kagan by M.L. Wong. It is a standalone novel set in the world that she has created. Um, let me give you a quick spiel, and then we'll get right to the episode today. Also, happy Father's Day to any of you fathers out there. You can reach us via email at nerdbookreview at gmail.com, Facebook, the Nerdbook Review Facebook page, and on Twitter as Nerdbook Review. If you'd be so kind to leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever platform you happen to listen to this, I would greatly appreciate it, and I hope you guys all have a great day. Thank you. Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Chris. <laughs> and this is the Nerdbook Review. Today, we will be reviewing The Sword of Kagan by M.L. Wong. Um... The book info stats, all that fun stuff. Uh, the book is self-published. It came out this year. Uh, clocks in at 651 pages long. It is a standalone novel set in the Theonite universe that Wong has created. Uh, there are currently two other books in the series and a third set to publish or come out this year. Uh, Wong, she's a youngin. Uh, she's only 27. She's from the United States. She has a history degree, which uh, kind of comes into play, I think, with uh, some of her background. Uh, the main books in the series are considered uh, more YA. That's even how she describes them. So I think that is one thing that we'll have to talk about a little bit, like when I get at the end into the uh, recommendation phase and things like that. Yeah, that's um, an interesting twist to it. Yeah, th- this is definitely considered an adult novel, but her, uh, you know, tr- the main line is YA. Um, Chris, real quick, can you read the book blurb? It's a long one. Real quick, yeah, this one. (laughs) A mother struggling to repress her violent past. A son struggling to grasp his violent future. A father blind to the danger that threatens them all. When the winds of war reach their peninsula, will the Matsuda family have the strength to defend their empire? Or will they tear each other apart before the true enemies even reach their shores? High on a mountainside at the edge of the Kaganese Empire live the most powerful warriors in the world, superhumans capable of raising the sea and wielding blades of ice. For hundreds of years, the fighters of the Kusanagi Peninsula have held the Empire's enemies at bay, earning their frozen spit of land the name the Sword of Kagan. Born into Kusanagi's legendary Matsuda family, 14-year-old Mamoru has always known his purpose, to master his family's fighting techniques and defend his homeland. But when an outsider arrives and pulls back the curtain on Kagan's alleged age of peace, Mamoru realizes that he might not have much time to become the fighter he was bred to be. Worse, the empire he was bred to defend may stand on a foundation of lies. It's still going. It is. Masaki told herself that she left the passions of her youth behind when she married into the Matsuda house. Determined to be a good housewife and mother, she hid away her sword, along with everything from her days as a fighter in a faraway country. But with her growing son asking questions about the outside world, the threat of an impending invasion looming across the sea, and her frigid husband grating on her nerves, Masaki finds the fighter in her clawing its way back to the surface. Well done. Uh, that's actually a pretty good synopsis, just in general. Yeah, it covers of the story. quite a bit of yeah. uh, of what's going on. So uh, my take isn't always super shortened down from some of them, but it's really shortened down today. Uh, <laughs> this is essentially a story that is both a coming of age for one protagonist and a recovery of rediscovery of self 
for another protagonist. A Japanese-inspired story of a family with magical powers whose purpose in life is to protect the land they rule, quote, in unquote, air quotes. rule. Yes. Okay. Uh, Chris, first thoughts on the book? Um, I think that this should have been uh, the plot of a better Street Fighter movie. <laughs> oh god, I'm laughing too hard like, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it it had uh it had so many cool action sequences that uh, I just I kind of had in my mind like uh, when it comes from like the big battles and then down into mm-hmm. like the the smaller one-on-one things there was kind of that feel of like a video game. Now you're getting the, you know, this person versus this person and their powers and yeah, how they fight against yeah. each other and stuff. So yeah. it kind of felt it kind of felt like that that video game type vibe to me. Okay. Um and I can see exactly where you're coming from with that. Uh first things first, cool magic system. Very cool magic. Uh, it's awesome. It's fleshed out in a way that uh and it doesn't require like a ton of uh backstory or like that this there's no lit RPG thing in there where you need to know like formulas and things like that. Yeah, you know? and and a lot of the like rules and like you know the the very meticulously created like a Brandon Sanderson. Or, yeah, like this is it's genetic. Uh, family lines breed for specific uh, genetic traits too, like magical mm-hmm. traits. So the main uh, family, the Matsudas, that's who um, both of our uh, like main protagonists. Uh, well, actually, yep. we will have a third point of view that will come in far later in the in the book. Yes, but for seventy um, ish percent, maybe more. Yeah. of the book, it's only uh, two. Well, no, higher than that because we get past the fight, the big like you know. So yeah. like ninety percent of the book is just two people. Um, uh, Mamoru, who is a fourteen year old boy, um, he is. Um, you know, like a typical good, like what you would expect of like the Japanese uh, traditional warrior society. Mm-hmm. Firstborn son, yep. uh, doing his studies in in kicking ass and yeah, um, basically like a samurai. Yeah, um, they have uh, so the, like th- they um, this family, the Matsudas, and also um, Misaki, her her family is it also from they're a noble family from the same peninsula even though they're not the same they don't have the, quite the same power um mm-hmm. but they're all is it was it Jij- oh Jijaka. Jijaka. sorry so they they all have um like all the people in this like all the their ethnic group has the like a Jijaka technique technique mm-hmm. um basically they use they 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 can manipulate water uh turn to ice um, yeah, they can, uh, you know, help like and raise the ocean level, things like that um, to fight mm-hmm. off um, invaders. The Matsuda family, like their special bloodline technique is they can create a sort of ice that's stronger than steel that can actually cut through steel. Yeah, that uh, it, it's so sharp that the the tip of the blade is actually like molecularly. Yeah. One molecule yeah. and then more. So, yeah, it like which actually, and we know that. Because this world has um, entered a level where they're actually pretty advanced technologically. That and 
I don't know if we want to get into that, but that surprised me a lot. Yeah. I was not expecting all of a sudden kids are talking about like, yeah, cell phone towers and, and television games. and yeah. video games. That that was a surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, we know that fighter like so the last big war was fought 70 years ago mm-hmm. and fighter jets were already like, yeah, they, they, yeah, we're not talking like, you know, World War Two prop planes. We're talking like advanced fighter jets were yeah. around at least 70 years ago, you know, so um that was something that I had a little bit of trouble um, assimilating early on. Mm-hmm. Was the uh, was how the the technology versus the traditional way of life, mm-hmm. and that's going to get into where kind of where I had a little bit of my issue with the one thing that you know that I want to talk about later with that I had with the book. Um, so you have like these magical, um, basically like samurais that mm-hmm. still fight that way and everybody seems to still fight this way because everybody in the world for the most part has magical abilities just certain ones have different ones yeah um so the the um Dijaka technique is ice um we one of the other groups where uh, we learn in like flashback scenes that uh uh, misaki studied in another uh country mm-hmm. when she was growing up and they they used fire like yep. that was their magical ability was the um so it's funny because, like, she talks about, like, in, in that city, n- no one builds it with wood because right. uh, it would obviously not be, like, their kids. Yeah, their kids, at, like, accidentally, spontaneously combust com- when well, they're little. Yeah, yeah, combust, but they're okay because yeah, they're, okay, they're fire yeah. kids. Yes. But yeah, like, you couldn't, <laughs> have, you couldn't have wooden structures in a place where kids can just accidentally burn things. Yeah, and everybody has these magical abilities for the most mm. part. I mean, so basically, it's just. Like these families have bred themselves to be like more powerful, so mm-hmm. um, they're the strongest, you know, and, and most pure bloodlines. Like it actually does matter in this case, yeah. Because um, if you get your bloodline diluted, then um, maybe that your powers won't work. Or like Misaki at one point is talking about how if you, if you had um, married and had kids with the ones that use fire, that those they tend not to be the children or the offspring of the that union tend not to be very good at using magic because mm-hmm. well you have fire and ice and they kind of cancel each other out right <laughs> um one of the um, other ones for example is is people can manipulate wind and very powerful ones can make yeah. tornadoes but like the average person couldn't make a tornado right um right you have to be very powerful within that um one of the the you know the, the famous bloodline families to do yep. that so um but that is one thing, though, that I had to ask you a question. Didn't it kind of like so we know that like the elite fighters, you know, have these special bloodline powers. Yeah. But I kind of wondered why if you have like fighter jets, why isn't the average like foot soldier not using like <laughs> machine guns or something? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this isn't something that like ate away at me, but it is like a thought that was in the back of my mind a little bit there. Yeah. Like, if, uh, you know, if there are fighter jets that can drop bombs um then yeah are are these elite forces of a handful of uh, what's this uh hand-to-hand combat or uh mm-hmm. you know close, close combat yeah. um like, yeah i i don't know that i don't know that i have an answer for that because <laughs> i think you're right but i mean that's also you know we still have special forces and yeah that kind of thing but i think that i think that the way you could kind of explain that away a little bit is that since everybody has magical abilities maybe people feel better about fighting like with their magical powers instead you know yeah um but i was just one of those thoughts where like because like the elite special forces 
on each side are literally worth like hundreds of other sold fighters in yeah and so you know it's like oh man if, i think if i was one of those average guys i'd feel a whole lot more confident if i was uh <laughs> you have an ar-15 from, and <laughs> <laughs> from long range you know yeah or maybe a 50 cal sniper rifle from a mile away they never sure. see it coming um but anyway and, and maybe maybe the the magic has the magical folk have defended themselves in such a way that uh that, that weapons were considered ineffect ineffective it's possible i'm not and, saying that yeah i mean yeah let's tear apart their history and, and yeah, let's figure uh, out <laughs> yeah. and i imagine that in the trilogy it's it's probably like the kind of thing that's explained a little bit better you know could be um yeah. This is a standalone novel. I will. I want to say one thing that this is the by far the best standalone novel I've ever read, where I felt like I learned everything I needed to learn yeah. without having the storyline be um, truncated because of it. Like it wasn't like it was necessary to to give me a whole bunch of backstory without continuing things on. Yeah, and maybe that's because it's character driven. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, the characters were so important to it mm-hmm. and and the emotion of it. Yeah. Um, Misaki, who's the uh, the mother of uh, Mamoru, she, um, I mean, she really did, like, give up her life, basically, to yep. go be a good traditional housewife yep. and, uh, um, and raise her children, you know, to be... Yeah, uh, to, have, to have sons in this powerful lineage and... Yeah. And uh, and it, I really do you like I felt for her. Um, this is a yeah, story definitely. that uh, that like where you get into the how did it make you feel? Like I had a lot of feels. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, me there too. Were, there me were too. more than there was at least a couple times where there was tears shed. Oh, oh I, I was. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a handful of times. Yeah. The, it, this this yeah. the characters uh, yeah, and their situations so well de- gripped me. Yeah. Um. In Mamoru, even though he's like a 14 year old kid. I really liked him because he's not trying to rebel. Like he's not just an like an idiot fourteen year old. Yeah. Um. Who's? I mean, he's really trying to be the best um, heir to his family that he could be. You know. Right. And but then and within that, he's then confronted with uh with ideas and and you know potentially facts that are outside of what he's been taught his entire life, and so he's he's conflicted with that. Yeah. Uh, with that idea of like, I need to be the best everything that my family expects me to be, but also, hey, wait a minute. We're all being lied to. Yeah, this isn't all accurate. Yeah. And I think that one thing, um, it might sound a little bit spoilery, but it's talked about pretty quickly on when, when Mamoru meets, um, what's the kid's name? I keep wanting to call oh, him Chun-Li, but it's not Chun-Li. No, I don't. Re- I might have his name written. Okay. Down. But when he is confronted, like almost right off the bat, w- within the first chapter, with these lies, you know, so Quang, Quang was like Quang, Quang Li, Quang. Maybe it's just Quang. Some, something. I think Li might have been like the suffix, or you know, oh, like okay. the honorific. Anyways, but yeah, Quang, there was a little bit of that that I yeah didn't quite. Um, so Quang um is another kid, Mamoru's age. Um, he's an outsider. His dad is actually like installing a communications um, system. Yeah, communications towers. Yeah, within their uh, province. Basically, giving Kagan Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's basically right. <laughs> and uh, so he tells them right off the bat that uh, that they've been being that Memoru has been being lied to by the government, who says that like they're all powerful and that you know like yeah, and that they're the reason that you know there's peace. And, yeah, in the world, but they're really 
and you were going to find out, you know, pretty quickly on that there's not peace and that things are going. We know that that something's got to happen. I mean, if yeah. there, if there wasn't a big conflict, then it would kind of be like this. It would be the kind of story that's like, well, this is real cool character building, but what ha- <laughs> like where was the that the reason? You know, the, the yeah. storyline. And so, um, so yeah, so Kwong tells him like, hey, you know, like you know, we're not even the really the most powerful part of our union anymore. Like, yeah, you know, there's another group that actually saved us as opposed to us being, you know, and so, um, he's, Memora is going to, he's going to struggle with that. Like of still wanting to be the, um, the ideal son mm-hmm. while knowing that maybe he's being lied to. Yeah. And his father is basically like, you hear the word ice queen. Well, he's the ice king. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he has like he basically is like emotionless is what he seems like for most of the novel. Yeah, and um, but he's also super powerful um as a theonite. That's yes, the, the very name. powerful. Yeah, and so um, in fact, probably one of the most powerful ever. Right. I mean, almost godlike in his powers. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, and he's not helpful either. But I do want to like here's where I want to get into since we're already talking about that lie. Like yeah. this is a solid, uh, and for me, okay, writing five star, character building five star. Yep. I've got one issue though. So I know that so they're they're <laughs> like the the Matsudas are like the basically like one of the the most respected of the ruling families on um, the Kagan mm-hmm. Peninsula, right? Yep. Um, and so um, them and the other ruling families don't know that you know there were they were helped. Right or that yeah. like there's potentially war on their doorsteps, mm-hmm. like it's kept they're kept in the dark. Like I feel like I understand. I think the reasoning is explained fairly well later on in the book. Yeah, but I feel like even if they are only like figurehead rulers, since there's no other military presence on their, uh, you know, on the peninsula, don't you think they still would have would have known more? You know, I. You had brought this up before I read the book, mm-hmm. and so I kind of went into the book with that thought in mind Mm -hmm. and it it just it never it was never a problem to me because uh, like when you compare it to like the isolation of north korea Uh or or even the um like the belief in the face of uh of completely being wrong like uh flat earthers Mm mm-hmm where it's it's even if you're told like no 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 this is this is the way things are for real and we can prove it in a lot of ways uh-huh. and then you continue to uh to buck that idea because it's counter to your belief mm-hmm. but i think that where my issue though is with it is that like but they're the ruling families. Like they're the only ones that are supposed to be actually keeping the empire safe, right? Well, they never seemed like a ruling in Not, the in terms of the whole government. Yeah. I like it felt more like, okay, well, he's the mayor of Caldwell yeah. and the president of the United States is hiding things from him. Like, yeah, I get that. And um kind of like if we want to think of like historically, we've hit like the shogunate period where the uh, the clans have been really put down in terms of like they're not going to potentially take over uh not there's not going to be a coup you know yeah and overthrow the president but the thing is though is is that it sounds like if you're outside of that peninsula all of this stuff is common knowledge though yeah right 
I yeah. mean, you have a modern um, communications infrastructure throughout right. the rest. So you would think that like the elites would still. I don't know. It's well, not- I, n- I never thought of the. I never thought of like the Matsudas as the elites. Like they were. They were the elite of their village. Yeah, I guess you're okay. So what you're saying is, is that I'm thinking of them in the wrong way. That I'm thinking they've got more power than they actually do. Like, aside yeah, from like their they're, yeah, they're, area. yeah, they're the, you know, they're the kings of their tiny kingdom uh, yeah. that are just kind of, you know, the the bigger government and the bigger ruling class and the bigger elite are hiding from them yeah. the uh, the world in general. Okay, and see, I can accept that. And I think that mentally, in my mind, like they were still more powerful than they really were. You know, okay. I mean, I understand like. You see later on the government's kind of treating them like they're just backwater yeah, um, exactly. nobodies. Yeah. But I mean, they're still the ones that are being uh you know, the like being tasked and expect like they still are the most powerful uh you know yeah. like I mean it's pretty clear that no one else in this on this planet probably is anywhere near as powerful as they are. Yeah, uh, and that magically. and that's yeah, and that's true. But, but I, 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 I mean, like we also saw, though, the technology was surpassing that. Yep. Okay. Um, so okay, I said I was willing to I, be talked out of this one. But you know how, <laughs> like, I will fully admit that I can get sidetracked by, you know, like, I can hone in on something and be like, yeah. this is bugging be me. Like, this thing is, yeah. I don't think that it would go like this. And that's understandable. Yeah. But and, I'm willing to accept that I'm being unreasonable in this case. Sure. And uh, I, well, and I don't know that you're being unreasonable. Well, it's I'm, just that your your on... suspension of disbelief is, is at a different level. Yeah. And well, I, yeah, I see. I think that where my problem is is that sometimes, and I've talked about this like with a book where I got really savaged by a lot of people on the world. <laughs> well, where like I talked about how like the infrastructure was way more in you know intense than it should have physically been able to be and like that bugged me and then i had like you know a hundred comments of like wow you're just being an asshole basically (laughs) wait on what on reddit oh and uh and i'm like no i think that like a little bit of the you know my history and my and i also have the you know, I had to take several classes for my uh, social studies stuff when I was teaching that of like cultural geography and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. and so I remember the, really the one being like, well, you need these, these and these for certain like technological. But anyway, yeah. so I think that like I get in, some of those things bug me more than, than they should. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to admit sometimes that it's me, not the uh, <laughs> not the book, you know, but like aside from that, um, I really loved the character building. Yeah. And it was able to she was able to to do this in a way that still kept the story moving forward right um our first um we did uh, another this is our second podcast of the day and we talked about the first one that where we liked all the characters but we didn't really feel like there was a purpose to the story for a long time yeah like i always felt like the events were moving forward still with a more coherent bigger story that was moving us towards something yeah i always felt like there was you know that even though this is mostly character driven, that there was a reason for things happening. Yep, I agree. Uh, Chris, um, anything else you want to talk about with the like the storyline itself? Um, no, I think we've covered the story. We've gotten through the characters. Um, I mean, again, the action in it was really cool and also very well written the 
the emotion of it was like it, it really got me. Yeah. Yeah, I shed tears, like I said, on uh, several occasions. Yeah. There was a couple times I really had to stop reading for a little <laughs> bit and just like sit back and think. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, if a book, anytime a book, this is another, this is one of those books where I know a lot of times I get a heart, like people will give me shit about like, oh, how did it make you feel thing, you yeah, know? But like yeah, this is, but, there's a, this is the one of the books that's a reason why I have that in there. Yeah. Um, and I think it sounds like you enjoyed the book. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I, especially once I got past that like 70% in and I was, well, okay, that sounds bad. I loved the book the whole way through, but <laughs> until I was about 70% in, I still had that like thought that in the back of my mind of like, hey, why, yeah, you know, why is this the way it is kind of thing? Um, but then once you get in and you, I can't talk about it because it would be spoilery once you get that point, but like about 70% in. You kind of see like where they really stand within thing in in the world. Yeah. Um. And so that didn't bug me anymore. And then uh, you have some real cool battle scenes too yeah. as you go farther in. And pretty well varied. Uh. Partially because you're in uh. You know, one setting is yeah, kind of that like feudal Japan type of feel. But then there's also sort of like inner city superhero oh yeah action which yeah which it made it uh i mean it it made it made it so many different things yeah (laughs) that that i I just it, it was a lot of fun to see the world was bigger than i was expecting yeah well i think that's one thing i didn't explain very well um i did mention that like it's a split timeline Mm-hmm. Um, so you're set like you have the modern, um, but then, um, throughout it, you'll have, uh, Misaki, the mother, you'll have her flashbacks to when she was a teenager yeah. and in another country, you know, doing her yeah, as, kind as of like said, a college kid. Yeah. Only like a college at like a magical fighting, you know, school. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, that was really cool. Uh, and one thing too, like, you know, she was only 18 when she had her kid. So. So it's like he's 14. So the it's not like these things happened like 50 years ago, you know, like she's not yeah. having fl- like they still are relevant to today mm-hmm. these flashbacks and they really help you know show that wider world. Uh they're you know they're not confusing. And what yeah. was a book we did not too long ago where the timelines although oh yeah, Ruin of Kings where we had a lot of or like like the timelines and the split things really screwed with it. I felt like it did it was good in the way that uh um, Matt Presley, MD Presley, his time yeah. split timelines like help yeah. you know the whole storyline. There was a lot less page time of Masaki's past, yeah. and so and so it kind of worked as considering them flashbacks rather than yeah. you know two timelines happening in the story. It really yep. was more of flashback. Yep. Yeah, it worked really well. Um, yeah. And it really it worked is like basically in a lot of ways it worked as her version of an info dump too where we got to see yeah. the, the events happening in the wider world and kind of understand the politics of things, yep. but in a way that was still like action packed. And, uh, cause one thing, like, even though, you know, there aren't a lot of big battle scenes, especially none early on, what you get to see is a lot of that, like Kung Fu style, like action, like you said, like the street fighter fighting or yeah, something, you know? Yeah. And where they're like, you spin kicking icicles at people and yeah. like a lot of cool, just visually cool, yeah. uh, fighting. Yep. And uh, well done in a way that, you know, I've I've often talked about how if a fight is too complicated, then I just zone out. Yeah. And I didn't do any of that zoning out. Like, I really right. uh, felt like she did a great job. The writing is just superb. Um, mm-hmm. And um, 
I noticed a lot more typos in the blade itself. Huh. And on my copy out, there was a bunch of them. And and I didn't, you know, I'm like, huh. I just got done reading sort of Kagan and I go right to this and I'm like, huh, which one of them is self-published <laughs> on this, you know? But I mean, at this point, if you're uh, successfully self-publishing, you're getting, you know, editors and things like that. And obviously, we're uh, we're not a uh, podcast that is that is any sort of prejudice against self-published authors. No. Um, I picked this one up because several of the bloggers that I follow um, said that this is like one of the best books that they've yeah, read all yeah, year. Yeah, I had seen quite a few of those too. Yeah, and uh, it's definitely uh, going to be. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily if it's going to quite climb my mountain of like five plus, but it's going to definitely be like right there adjacent to my you know favorite books of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, what would you rate this novel? I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with a four and a half. Okay, because I could see myself reading this again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not like desperate to do that, but I could see uh, four and a half to five somewhere in there because mm-hmm. I, I think that I could read this again. Okay, and still really enjoy it. And it's like it's one of those ones where. Uh, you know, my wife doesn't read anywhere near as much as I do or any of us do. Um, but it's one of those ones that I'd kind of be like, I'll read it to you mm-hmm. if you're interested. Hey, you guys do that sometimes. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. That's a cool bonding thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm going to give this a soft five. I've okay. talked myself up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, <laughs> we've, we've, we've talked about, talked through my, my issue. Um, like I said, it's not quite gonna hit that five plus for me, mm-hmm. uh, but I can see why. Um, but maybe on my set, if I was to read it through a second time, I think maybe it would hit that point for me, just because I did have a lot of that time where I kept thinking, like, how do they not know, <laughs> you know? But yeah. I understand. But it, but it was just a lot of that book where I didn't know, you know, or where yeah. I had that thought. But um, all in all, though, uh, it's a super. Uh, it's definitely worth reading. Um, if you are the kind of person that likes a standalone novel, uh, you can absolutely read that standalone novel within, uh, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that, that will be entertaining. Uh, the one issue I want to talk about, though, is that this is an adult novel. Her yeah. main storyline is suppo- is YA. I mean, it's even like on her website, it says it's YA. I need to find to make some time. To put to read at least the first one of those novels. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to do that yeah. too. Yeah, uh, this is definitely worth uh, doing that. But I want to before I just like recommend <laughs> this to everybody. I want to read uh, one of those mm-hmm. to see how much of a difference there is. Like, yeah. is it really? Is it really like truly YA, or is it kind of like the uh, uh, as uh, the Yaffa that Barry try, is trying to the, the phrase he's trying to young. Ad, Young adult for adults? Is it is it young adult for adults <laughs> or is that? it actually young adult? Um, so I will absolutely recommend this book. Um, yeah. Before I recommend the whole series, I want to uh, you know to read one of those, and then I'll absolutely uh, maybe do an update or something like that. Sure. You know? Well, and that's I mean we're uh, we're adults that read fantasy, and yeah. you know YA may or may not be our thing, and. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm gonna give it a try. I I doubt that it would, you know, take a whole lot of reading time to get through a YA yeah. novel. That, but this one, I mean, at what 650 pages, mm-hmm. it did not feel like that to me. Nope, nope. I remember 
Um, that it took me a little while to get going, but then I got to like 20% and then all of a sudden I was at 70%. Yeah. And it uh, just flew through. Cause once the, like once the inciting incident happens, mm-hmm. um, that's maybe what a quarter of the way through a third of the way through mm-hmm. that ju- it just becomes this big epic thing. And like the, it, it's really cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and I flew through. Ooh, and I want to say one thing too that was in my notes that I, I set down um, before. It takes a uh, some twists and turns I did not expect. Yeah, and I have to say I was super impressed with a couple of uh, the turns. Mm, that, a few um, choices made. The choices uh, in, made in the story that yeah that you that that took a couple of choices that I didn't think characters had in them to make the choices. Yeah, and so I think that. Uh, like it was something that that really uh, that stood out in this novel to me yeah. is how they made those changes. Um, there are, in fact, a few that have been hard to uh, like dance around in, yeah. in our review because there are some things that that would be very much spoilery that we're oh, yeah. avoiding. Yeah, that that are, I mean, that that work well in the story. Mm-hmm. Yep, that are uh, you know that huge changes to where you know it's funny though because. Like this is supposed to be a standalone novel, but I, I, I just want. I could keep reading. Like if there was a second one. Oh yeah, I, I want there to. I, I really hope that there are more. Uh, yeah. If you happen to listen to this, uh, <laughs> please write more into this. I, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I know, like, and like I said, I'm gonna read uh, at least the first one in the. Yeah. In, so will I. Yep. And but anyways. Uh, I think we've droned on enough. We're about a pretty good length right now of cool. uh, usable material, and uh, I feel much better about this episode <laughs> than our previous one we did today. Yeah, it's it's always it's always a lot easier to talk about a book that was really you know really, really enjoyable. Yeah, to you. as opposed and to the one where you're like, eh, it wasn't for me. Yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to do that because you don't want to you know you don't want to be just shitting all over a book. Well, yeah, that, and I, like, you know that maybe you didn't enjoy, but lots of other people did. Yeah, and you know, and I and I and I like to think of us as a positive podcast for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, uh, our, so it's kind of hard to do that episode. Our deal where, isn't to go yeah to just be like dicks and make a bunch of asinine comments about things you know. Yeah. So, anyways, as a general rule, that's why I like to only put you know, ones I love, but uh, sometimes we'll get a book that's like so huge though, that I feel like, yeah, you kind of have to do it, you know? Yeah. In that case, it's okay if you didn't love it. Yep. Anyways. Yeah. When you have, when this is the, this is the format that we do and that's, that's kind of, there are books that you just sort of have to put in there because, you know, that's, it's a part of the, the, uh, zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah, of what we especially like when you get into some of these grimdark novels where we we you know we do a lot of grimdark on this podcast because yeah. you know I, that's how, what I love to read, and uh, I mean and it's basically a, and grimdark's lighter than some of your nonfiction reading. So oh my god, <laughs> oh I, yeah, uh, pretty soon I'm gonna start reading about Andre Chikatilo and that guy. He was what, a, what was, was his deal? He was a Russian guy in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. He was a monster. Oh man, and that one's gonna be. I'm interested in reading a little bit more about your serial killers. Yep. If you weren't such a nice guy, I'd be real worried, Chris. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Ted Bundy was a nice guy. (laughs) That's true. Alrighty then. Well, I think this is a good point to stop. Yeah. Read the book. Yeah. Good one. Do it. (laughs) 